Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. We are concluding our first season with a multi-part series on technology and the Christian life. This episode will be part one of that multi-part series. I'm your host, Dave Sherrill, and I have my co-host here, Pastor Kevin. I'm right here. Technology. Do you use technology? (laughs) That's not even supposed to be funny, but it kind of is. I think I have this, um, just based on my preaching, I suspect I have a reputation as being anti-technology. You know, it's like, Kevin, come on, you're harping on social media all the time and telling us to put our smartphones away and, and stop letting YouTube educate our children. I mean, come on, why can't you just get with the new world? But no, I, uh. I actually, I really enjoy technology. Um, in, in some ways, the reason where I've landed where I have now is because I have grown up with technology. So um, my generation was perhaps um, one of the first to commonly have a computer in the home from the time I was born. I mean, I realize there's some folks who had that earlier and obviously, you know, adults um, who would have had it come in during their lifetime. But for me, from the earliest times I can remember, we had, you know, yes, one of those green and black Apple IIe. Oh, that thing was awesome. And yeah, it was magical, right? I mean, you can turn on this, this TV thing with a keyboard and, and it's fun. It's engaging. You can write, you can play games, you can... And so you can imagine uh, my brother and I and, you know, growing up in a university town where technology is huge. Um, Iowa State University is considered by some, I know this claim is debated, but they like to say that the first digital computer was invented there, the Adanasoff Ferry. Um, so, you know, fast forward a few years, my dad brought home a, uh, a Mac, now it'd be called the Mac Classic, you know, the integrated beige computer. Um, I remember playing on that for probably an embarrassing number of hours. Uh, by the time I got to high school, I was building my own computers from components. So ordering components from a catalog, not so much online, and constructing from scratch. By the time I got to college, I lived with three computer engineers. And then in seminary, uh, my entire job revolved around computers and classroom technology of all kinds. Um, So one of our big changes we ushered in was rather than dragging all these wires through walls, which is what you had always done up to that point, we were just dragging one or two Cat5 wires and running everything digitally, lighting, sound, uh, video. Uh, It was great. And that's when, um, that being right around the end of my seminary years, I started really seeing, hey, wait a second. Whoa, you know, this is not just the bright, shiny um, utopia that every tech company wants you to believe in. It's not actually addressing some of the fundamental challenges of our world. And 
that every technology has benefits, yes, but also drawbacks. And sometimes the drawbacks really outweigh the benefits, but there's a lot of momentum and a lot of marketing behind them to make it not seem that way. And so you might call me a little bit of a, um, a technology minimalist. You know, I, I try to use it where it makes sense. I try to avoid it, frankly, where it doesn't. That would be something I would commend to everyone is let's be thoughtful about our tech rather than assuming our use of tech. When we consider how technology is presented to us in the marketplace today, it would seem from your comments that there's more we should consider than only what we hear in the marketing campaigns for technology. One of the challenges with technology here in the United States, um, probably more accurately in the West, so wealthy first world nations, is that technology has moved in a lot of cases out from, say, uh, research labs and universities or government and military um, laboratories and things to corporate for-profit businesses. And that's not necessarily good or bad. I'm not, that's not the point I'm making. But what I am saying is what a corporate for-profit business must do is market technology. So whether it actually solves a problem or not, whether it's actually benefiting you or not, um, they have a, a shareholder-directed value to make you think that this will make your life better and that your life is incomplete without it. And that's where I would say there's an assumption of technology that needs to be questioned. A lot of what you're saying echoes what, uh, what uh, Tim Challies wrote several years ago in a book called The Next Story. Um, so I've uh, read Thoughts Along These Lines. Great book, uh, by the way. Yeah, over a decade ago. Um, I, I see the... I see the bigger impact of his work, not necessarily the specific content he put in the book, but rather the outworking of the encouragement he gave to Christians to consider the positive and negative impacts which technology can have on us. Do you think the book of Proverbs might have a bearing on how we would evaluate technology today? That's good. That's a great question. Um, the answer would be yes. I would say also, if, if what you're looking for is a, a specific verse, um, I think you have to be a bit more nuanced than that. And that's where I think um, this, this question gets a little harder than how we're being taught to think in our, in our current world. Uh, because even amongst Christian circles, what we're going to be taught is, well, you know, if there's a verse that says it, okay, but we don't have much patience or attention beyond that if it's actually something implied. Uh, one of the big things, the big topics, rather, all throughout Proverbs is, you know, what is wise? What does God value? What, what is the best way for his people to live. And I think you can make some arguments there um, that, yeah, technology might be really helpful for some things. I think, on the other hand, 
Um, just to give one example, uh, I think technology tends to isolate people. That is to say, um, what it presents is this idea that we can be very relational with everyone, right? You're connected to everyone. A certain very famous website calls everyone on it your friend. And the irony is the opposite is what's happening. We're learning to not have significant conversations with other people, to not know what real friendship looks like, and instead we just have acquaintances now. Um, that's one struggle that really pushes against what we see from the Lord as far as Christians relating together. Um, for Proverbs specifically, you, know, you want a great study, look at every time the Proverbs brings up anything about using our words well, and then realize the way that, not just the internet, but I would say now social media specifically does not reward slow, thoughtful consideration. Um, you're told to always be posting, you know, what's on your mind? What's trending? What's hot? What um, what are your thoughts on this news story? Rather than, hey, why don't you go take a few minutes and think about this and pray about this, and then you can come back to us and post. <laughs> no website is telling you that. And yet, that's exactly what Proverbs would call Christians to do, is to be very careful with our speech, with our words, um, to realize the impacts of what we're saying. Social media doesn't uh, doesn't reward that. It doesn't call for that. And in fact, if you practice that, you will inevitably become less and less engaged by or with social media. The, the algorithm will not reward you um, for posting less. And so that's, just to give an example, that's one challenge where I think Proverbs really would give a direct challenge to how we are using technology today. Now, that's not just a technology problem. I mean, that's, that was obviously true even before there were computers. But I think technology, in that case, magnifies the problem. Because now everyone everywhere is supposed to comment on everything, whether they've thought about it, understood it, read an article, or not. You know, I think one okay. of the challenges of technology is simply to be thoughtful yeah. about it. And because it's, especially now where the, the rate of change is always, um, it's always before you. So it's, hey, you need the new iPhone, even though you got the one last year. And what does it change in your life? Probably nothing, but you're just supposed to buy it without considering. And so I, one challenge I would offer to every Christian is to say that tech can be a very good servant. It really can when used wisely. It is an awful, a lousy, wicked master. And the way that, that you discern between the two is to start asking yourself some questions, all revolving around, what do I want to accomplish? Is this helping me more than it's harming me. So if I would break those down, you know, the first question is, what are we actually trying to do? Um, that's a question that's not normally asked. It's, 
well, because we can do something, we should do something. Well, that's, I mean, if you just take a few seconds to think, that's actually a very poor idea. It, it, it has all of our whims and wants being driven really by whoever shouts the loudest, has the biggest marketing campaign. No, we want to be thoughtful people. So let's start with our ideas, which as Christians means we need to start first with God's ideas forming our thinking and then say, okay, in what ways does technology fit in with this? So if it's, um, you know, if, uh, if it's a, a massive worldwide virus, you know, whatever you do or don't think of COVID, um, something where it seems that at least in certain cases and certain times, uh, gathering together might present a, a not small amount of risk. Is there a way technology can be helpful here? And certainly, churches answered that in different ways, but that is the right question to be asking, rather than the opposite. Oh, good. I don't want to go to church anyway. I just want to be in my pajamas and drinking my coffee, and I don't even like the people at church. So, I mean, hopefully no one, none of you are saying that, but, you know, so let's just apply technology to church. We don't need buildings where we gather or anything, we can just do it all online. Like our favorite tech heroes, pastors will be like TED Talks, you know, it'll be great. No, it won't. Um, That's not the picture that we see in the scriptures of the church at all. And so in doing that, I'm trying to show there's two very different ways to engage with technology. One's thoughtful, one's not. One is centered on, all right, God has given us this mission to relate to one another and worship him together. Right? That's how discipleship is done. It's not this Lone Ranger thing. Um, how can technology help that? All right. In what ways does technology not help that? Um, answering that question might look different depending on the church, the, the timing. Um, for example, what we're doing as a church now online is different than what we did during the middle of COVID, which is different than what we did before COVID. And of course, we've learned quite a lot over the last two years, but I would also say part of what we're doing is to try to respond to some questions like these. You know, the second part of the technology question is, um, what are the trade-offs? Because technology is not neutral. And I think that's one of the most misunderstood things um, in our society. And it's not just me saying this. Uh, This is actually an observation that was made decades ago. I mean, a few few folks who've dug deep into this, maybe some names that you'll start seeing quoted um, if you read any works on this. Uh, One would be, uh, there's a famous quotation called, um, the medium is the message, right? The medium is... The message. This is a, a quote from Marshall McLuhan, who was a Canadian philosopher. Um, and his point was how you communicate something itself is part of the message. So, for example, um, let's say there, someone has had a huge tragedy in their family. Um, going up and speaking to them after church is different, even if you use the exact same words then calling them on the telephone, which is different, again, if you use the exact same words, than sending them a text. 
And the only difference between those is the three methods of communication. But notice each one is getting less relational. Um, so the, the medium that you use to, to communicate with someone is part of the message. And one of our goals as a congregation and as a church is to value relationships. And we do that best in person. It doesn't mean we only do it in person. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying there's not a time for, for Facebook or email or texts. But those should all support real, tangible, in-person relationships rather than replacing them. Thank you for listening to Crosstalk, Following Jesus Together. You can find us online on all major podcast directories or at freechurch.us.